בשם השם נעשה ונצליח, שיעור תורה, ברוכים הבאים. We're back here from Eretz Yisrael, from Eretz HaKodesh, from Jerusalem, Baruch Hashem. And we're ready for a new week in this time of war. The war between Am Yisrael and the Ishmaelim, Imach Shimam Vezichram. Be'ezot Hashem, this shiur will be for the Refuah Shlema, for all of the uh, people that have been hurt by this uh, tragedy that has happened to our nation over this last week. And may HaKadosh Baruch Hu elevate the neshamot of all those that have been murdered and massacred in horrific ways, and all of the soldiers that are fighting for our right to exist. So as well as the Refuah Shlema of Rabbanit Levana Bat Sarah, Rabbi Efraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Sarah Bat Anat, Rabbi Mori David Ben Esriya, Imi Morati Doris Bat Joa, and all of Am Yisrael and all the righteous Noahites. So, Baruch Hashem, where as we promised, we're going to do a Shiur Bezot Hashem each day, but of course, as you know, we have to come up with new topics, new information, new details, as the Torah says in the Masechet Avot, delve into it and delve into it because everything is in it unlike the uh, uh, heretical Quran or the uh, false testament that are uh, dependent on the uh, ideas of uh, their current people whoever they are uh, our holy sages go back as far as the time of Moshe Rabbeinu and we have uh, Hashem, documented information our Masoret, of what to think about everything, what to do about everything, and most importantly, that everything is in our Holy Torah, including this war. Now, last week, we uh, completed the week with a uh, lecture about the uh, Torah perspective about having mercy at the time of war. And uh, when uh, we're talking about mercy, we're talking about, you know, if you're bombing a place, if you're shooting, if you're... uh, in the middle of a battle, <clears throat> the Torah does not give any permission for a Jewish soldier to have any mercy on who's going to end up dying as a result of uh, this war, because it is a war. And uh, <clears throat> whether it's a uh, someone that's fighting back, or it's a uh, civilian, or it's a child, there is no mercy. And uh, of course, we discussed several points in regards to that last week, we brought you some verses from the book of Deuteronomy and other places. Most importantly, we brought you the teachings of the sages that say, someone that is merciful on vicious people is eventually going to be uh, vicious on merciful people. So it's important for a person to know that uh, you know the Torah itself has rules for these things. It's not something that uh, we make up today. But needless to say, there are certainly going to be people that are going to either get confused or cry foul. Now, who's crying foul? The little babies from Hamas, the little babies from uh, the supporters of Palestine, like their, uh, one of their, uh, one of their uh, leaders, Muhammad Hijab, who uh, constantly, constantly speaks against everybody that doesn't think like him. And uh, over the years, uh, thought of himself uh, as a debater, but of course showed his true colors in the uh, last couple of days as he walked in the streets of, uh, I believe it was London or somewhere in the UK over there, uh, looking and screaming out that he wants Jewish blood, obviously showing that he's a terrorist, just like we always knew. 
you know, person that uh, goes around pretending to be a scholar, but yet walks around, uh, runs around asking for Jewish blood, looking for Jewish blood, obviously we see that there's no scholarship there, there's no wisdom there, there's only terror there. There's only animosity there because that's the ideology. And that's the ideology that a person needs to know that we are fighting. We're not fighting people that are peaceful. We're not fighting people that are decent. We're not pe fighting people that want to have a, uh, uh, some type of uh, uh, peace uh, in the world. We're fighting people that are looking for world, nomination, uh, world domination at the, while at the same time enslaving and murdering and raping and terrorizing everybody else. That's what the Sharia law is. That's what their uh, teachings is. And of course, there's going to be some people say, yeah, but the Quran doesn't say this and the Quran doesn't say that. The truth is the Quran says a lot of different things that contradict itself. So you can't really depend on the Quran. You have to depend on what the people are doing. And when the people come in and break the borders and then terrorize civilians and then do all types of horrible things that we discussed last week in the lecture so we don't have to repeat them as i'm sure all of you already know about all the different horrific atrocious terrorizing that they've done to our people to our children to our to our women uh then uh, you see the actions of the people and in fact you could even see the actions that they do on their own people what they do to their own people, whether it's the, uh, the massacres of their own people through uh, different uh, gas bombs where they killed a quarter million people in a matter of uh, a few months in Syria, or it's a, uh, the uh, hostility they have to uh, <clears throat> anyone that questions the system, and even simply how they raise their kids. But again, this is important for the public to know uh, again and again. Why? Because one of the things that we discussed last week is that the... Uh, the curse, the curse that uh, the snake got after he lied about God uh, didn't take away his blessing, meaning the blessing that the snake got was that he's al-mumi, he's a uh, conniving. And uh, that's exactly the curse of the Ishmaelim, where they're conniving and they're making the world think that they're decent, the world think that they are victims, the world think like uh, these Rasha Muhammad Hijab, like he thinks, like uh, they, uh, they are in the right and the rest of us that are thinking otherwise are in the wrong. So it's important to know, it's important to know that when we are, uh, when we're discussing Torah, we're not discussing our opinions, we're not discussing uh, things that uh, we think are good ideas, we're thinking things that are stamped and sealed as the word of God. And anyone that wants to doubt it is going to have to fight with a few more verses tonight that are going to show you clearly how the Torah says, delve into it and delve into it because everything is in it. And if you're looking at the other religions, uh, just like the, uh, the king of Kuzar did nearly a thousand years ago when he was trying to determine which one is the right religion, whether it's Islam, Christianity, or Judaism, which he thought is the least likely because they were the persecuted people, they were the smallest people, but he ended up converting to Judaism after he met with Rabbi Uda Nasi, that, uh, uh, Rabbi Uda Levi, uh, after, and realized that um, anything that is of any truth and of any value that is inside the Quran of the New Testament comes from the Torah. And all the other garbage that they have is easily disprovable. So it's important for a person to know the truth without having any hesitation, without being politically correct, without worrying about censoring and blocking and all that stuff. 
And whether they censor, they block, we're going to keep coming, just like we've been coming for the last 3,300 years without stopping. No matter how much they persecute us, no matter how much they censor us, no matter how much they go against us, we keep fighting. Why? Because we have a Kadosh Baruch Hu with us. And no matter how much you try to hurt us, all you're doing is just scratching. All you're doing is just scratching because all the greatest civilizations that ever uh, that ever lived, whether it's the Babylonians or the Assyrians or it's the Spaniards or it's the Nazis or it's anybody else out there, they all tried to go against Am Yisrael and they hurt us, but all they did is just scratch us. They're gone. We're still here. Ishtabach as HaKadosh Baruch promised us through all the prophets. So now tonight we're going to go over a few things, Rabotai Karim. I'm going to go over a few things to let you know that the Torah itself, Ishtabach Shimo, may his name be blessed, the Torah itself already told us about all of this. And we're going to have to see how, how we're going to use this information of how all of this was here in order for us to get out of this situation, in order for us to better this situation, in order for us to make sure these types of situations don't continue happening. So... First and foremost, we know that in the Torah, there are different ways of analyzing things in the Torah, of finding things in the Torah. There are rules. There are rules to uh, how a person is going to uh, uh, analyze the Torah. There are rules of understanding the verses because we can't just uh, explain from our own mind like they do in Christianity. We have to have the rules. And one of the things we got at Mount Sinai, aside from the Ten Commandments, aside from the written Torah up to Parashat Yitro, uh, aside from the oral Torah laws of how to do everything, whether it's tefillin or tzitzit or anything else, is the scriptural exegesis rules, meaning how to take a verse and understand it. How to take a verse and understand it. And therefore, when the sages debate in the Talmud or in the Midrash or in the Zohar or in any other place, when they're debating, they're not debating because one guy broke the rules and the other guy used the rules. No, no, they're debating because they both used the rules and they arrived at a certain conclusion. Now, at times, they're going to see, no, one of them actually uh, got, their, got it right and they complete uh, and they all agree with this one particular side. At other times, they say, listen, this and this are the words of the living God, meaning even though they have different opinions on one thing, since they both used the tools of how to interpret the verses, both of them are the words of the living God. So we have extraordinary amount of information from our sages of how to understand the verses. We don't interpret things ourselves. We have our sages that have already done it for us over the last several thousand years. One of the things that has developed in recent years uh, as far as the uh, technology that we have today, is that in the Gemara in Masechet Chagigah, it says that there were certain Chachamim, certain sages that knew how to count the letters. Now, for many years, people understood that they loved the Torah so much that they literally knew exactly where everything is. But in recent years, we understood that there's many things aside from counting the letters and knowing where everything is. And by the way, I know a few Chachamim that know how to do that. It's literally like seeing an angel on earth knowing somebody that knows everything exactly where it is, everything exactly where it is. Somebody asked the Chafetz Chaim, how, how, how is it that this, you know where everything is? He says, listen, you have a business? You have somebody that knows a business? Yeah, yes, this guy, I know he has a business. What does he have? Oh, he has a store. He said, if you go into a store and you ask him, uh, where is the uh, ketchup? Or where is the tomatoes? 
Where is the salt? Where is the sugar? Does he know where it is right away? He goes, yeah, of course. Why does he know? Because it's his store. He spends all his time there. He says, exactly. The Torah is my store. I spend all my time in it. That's why I know where everything is. So now there are different things. There's Torah codes that we can use. We're using, uh, in the old days, they were able to do it with their heads because they were much more bright than us. Today, there's computer programs that tell you exactly how to use what's called Torah codes. But there's also a program that will tell you how to use gimatria, the uh, uh, numerical values of things, in order to see, uh, in essence, a hidden message within the Torah. And there is a program that if you ask it to analyze the Torah, whether it's the entire Torah, the entire Tanakh, specific sections within the Tanakh, to tell you, to show you where they, uh, the Torah has the same numerical value for a specific statement that you came up with, whatever statement you come up with. And where else in the Torah does it have the same numerical value? And this, Rabotai, is what our own very dear Rabbi Ephraim Kachlon did in the book of Tehilim to come up with a numerical value for what was coined named by the media or maybe uh, 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 no one in the world of Torah uh, named this, they came up with a name for what happened to us last week. Obviously, it's all terror. Obviously, it's all a nightmare. You can call it the war of uh, Simchat Torah. You can call it the massacre. You can call it a lot of things. But in the media, what they call it, Mivtza Haravot Barzel, Tavshin Peidalet. The uh, mission of the Iron Swords, Tavshin Peidalet, is the year 5784. That's how they call, called it, the terrorists called it, the Harbut Barzel, how the media is calling it. Long story short, this is not a name that uh, we found in some type of Torah book. This is a name that was created in the last week after this tragedy happened. So Rabbi Ephraim did a research in this program to see the numerical value of this particular words, the sentence, Mivtzah Harbut Barzel, Tavshin Peidalit, where else is it the same exact numerical value in the book of Tehilim? David HaMelech, Mashiach Tzitkenu. Tell us, what can you tell us? Tell us what you can tell us by using this simple number. This is talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, talking to his messenger, David HaMelech. And the program came out with six solutions. Six solutions that are going to shock you. After that, we're going to see even further what the Rambam says in regards to our dear soldiers, if they want guaranteed win, guaranteed safety, and guaranteed olamaba, what the Rambam paskins la'alacha in this world is exactly what they paskin in Shemaim. The Rambam is going to tell us. Furthermore, we're also going to see the specific date of when this happened. And what does the Torah tell us about this date that it happened? What does the Torah tell us about it? Last but not least, we're going to elaborate on the point. We're going to elaborate on the point of how to deal with the casualties of the, uh, you know, the, the, the enemy. Do you have to have mercy? No mercy. We're going to elaborate on why the Torah says there's no mercy when it comes to war. So first and foremost, we're going to go into the program, we're going to see... We're going to see that David Melech gave us a message in the book of Psalms, chapter 7, verse number 8. David Melech 
tells us exactly, exactly what happened to us. And he says, Ve'edat le'umim tesoveveka ve'alea le'marom shuva. When the assembly of nations surround you, then rise above it and return to the heights. Here Rashi, our dear Rashi, clarifies to us, tells us, what is David HaMelech telling us here? David HaMelech is pleading with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, pleading with HaKadosh Baruch Hu not to listen to the prayers of the enemy after they did evil to Am Yisrael. After they terrorized us, after they raped us, after they did every horrible thing known to man and not known to men, we're going to go back. We're going to attack them. We're going to do everything possible to make sure this doesn't happen, at least not from the same enemy. And they're going to cry like little babies. They're going to say, well, we're reporting you. We're going to censor you. We're going to call the media over you. We're going to call this, what's that one to you? Stop attacking to us. We're going to make all types of fake Hollywood films that are going to pretend like as if we have casualties, like they were caught red-handed. Over the last 24 hours, there's literally a ton of uh, different things they came up with where they show a doll that they pretend is a baby. And they make it as if it was uh, it was killed, but in reality, you can see it's a doll. It's plastic, but they're too much chamorim. You know what chamorim is? Chamal, chamal for the Arabs. All of you that are watching, chamal means chamor, means donkey. And in essence, they they uh, this is what they did. Or they take uh, videos. They tell a bunch of people to lay down, pretend like they uh, they put some makeup on them to pretend like they're dead. And uh, then they have all, suddenly they have all the cameramen did. Only thing is, one of the people in the cameraman actually reported this and showed that it's all fake. So of course there's casualties, but it's nowhere near what they're reporting and what they're showing. And, but this is one of the things that they're doing in their armumiyut and their, in their uh, uh, conniving nature that they have in order to stupefy the world, in order to fool the world in order to make sure that the world doesn't listen to the Jewish prayers, to the Jewish pleas, to the Jewish cries of what happened to us, but rather goes and says, look, we're the ones that are victims. Look, they're attacking us. It's not proportional. Not proportional? What are you talking about proportional? The, the most demented request on planet Earth that has arisen in, in, in this politically correct world over the last decade or so is this political correctness that is required from the Jewish people when we're fighting back for our survival or fighting back for our freedom or fighting back simply just to defend ourselves. They want us to have a proportional response. So what proportional response do they want us to do? They want us to go and figure out when they're going to have a uh, dance party over there with 5,000 people that are ready to die uh, and, and then what, send our soldiers there or what it was supposed to go look for civilians only and little babies, or like the videos that they released today where they're, uh, they're uh, uh, doing all the things that they're doing. So the point is, is that proportional response doesn't exist in war. No one on planet Earth actually thinks this makes sense. But needless to say, this is one of the conniving ways of Ishmael is to make the world feel bad for them. And they cry out and they also say, Allah Akbar, and they say, Allah help us, and they say a lot of things. We says David Melech, at the same time we pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only to save us, not only to protect us, not only to give us strength, but we also pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, don't listen to their prayers, because they're the evil ones. They're the evil ones. Don't use, they don't have any merits. They've used all their merits. They spent all their merits. 
That's the first Psalm, chapter 7, verse 8. Second one, Psalm 64, verse 9. When you go to Psalm 64, verse 9, David Melech cries out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he says, Hear, O God, my voice in my prayer. From the dread of the enemy, preserve my life. This one doesn't need much explanation. What are we asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this war? What are we asking as civilians? What are we asking for our soldiers? What are we asking for our people worldwide that are being attacked, that are being, uh, you know, uh, literally uh, just put in situations where no one feels safe, whether you are in Europe or you're in Australia, you're in, the, uh, in Canada, you're in the United States. If you're a Jew, at this point, Ishmael is trying to do everything possible to make sure you don't feel safe. You don't feel safe, whether it's the protest or it's the attacks or it's the terrorism or anything else. And what do we ask for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're the only one that can help us. Preserve us from our enemy. Preserve us from our enemy. That's what David Melch is telling us. Each and every single one of us has to add additional prayer each and every single day to their prayers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, preserve me from the enemy. They're the enemy. They're the enemy. They're, we're not the enemy. They're the enemy. Even though we perhaps weren't the most perfect, and sometimes we messed up, and sometimes some of us didn't keep Shabbat the right way, and sometimes some of us didn't do business the right way, according to the Torah, and sometimes some of us did all types of things that are not the best thing, still please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, preserve us, and we will do tshuva. We will do tshuva. And that's what David Melech tells us. This is one of the secret ingredients for us to have protection. Hear, O God, my voice and my prayer from the dread of the enemy. Preserve my life. Preserve my life. Protect me. Protect me. Why? Because I'm not dependent on the IDF. I'm not dependent on the Israeli government. I'm not dependent on the U.S. government. I'm not dependent on any government or any soldier or any person. Why? Because only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can help me. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can help me. And anyone that thinks that they could depend on any government, on any army, on anything else, is making a mistake of a lifetime. As the Torah says, David Melech himself says in Psalm 146, verse 3, Never rely on people that are volunteering to help you because it's just a person. And yes, there's no nothing, nothing that he can do really to guarantee you or your safety. No one can guarantee your safety. No one can be reliable. One day they could be your friend, the next day they could be your enemy, as what's happening right now. One of the things we saw just a few years ago, the uh, uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish Americans that uh, celebrated the uh, Donald Trump being president and how he's pro-Israel and how he loves Israel were very, very disappointed over the last week when Donald Trump went out there and in so many words... You know, made fun of the Jewish people, made fun, forgot about the fact that his daughter is converted to Judaism and that he has a grandson that's a, that's a Jew. He forgot about all that stuff. That stuff. What do you remember? You remember that Bibi Netanyahu didn't support him in his uh, war against uh, against the current president, uh, the other one, the uh, the senile one, the one that's actually su supposedly supporting us, uh, 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 Biden. The uh, the reality is the. Uh, Donald Trump was thought to be the Mashiach from some people, such extreme. You say, oh, look, uh, you know, the same uh, uh, numerical value of uh, Mashiach ben David is Donald Trump. And people went crazy. They forgot that he's not Jewish. They forgot that he's, uh, you know, he's looking for himself and not for, for Am Yisrael. If there's an interest, there's an interest. If there's no interest, 
There's no interest. And right now he showed his colors, literally, at a time where we're murdered, massacred, tortured, taken hostage. What does he do? He says, look, these uh, Hamas people are very smart. And the, uh, the, the people in Israel, they have some stupid people there. Listen, you're right, there's some stupid people there, but who are you to say it? Is now the time to say it? Now is the time to support the enemy? Now is the time to, to uh, rem remind the world about how you're unhappy with another politician that's here today, gone tomorrow? Now, this is the reality, Rabotai. Never rely on anybody. No human being can help you. No human being can hurt you. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can decide who can help you and who can hurt you. And this is what David Melech is telling us. Make sure. Make sure you never rely on a human being and plead to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to preserve you from your enemy. Furthermore, we're going to go to the third, to the third find, to the third find in, by David HaMelech. David HaMelech is telling us secrets here in the book of Psalms, chapter 80, verse number 13. David HaMelech is telling us, look, look what happened. This one is going to shock you, Rabotai. This one is going to shock you. Again, remember, these are not just random verses. These are verses that have exactly the same numerical value as what was coined named as what the name of this tragedy. Here, the book of Psalms, chapter 80, verse number 13 says, Why have you breached its fences? So that all who pass by the way pluck its fruit. This is exactly what happened, Rabotai. This is exactly what happened. What happened? Akadosh Baruch Hu simply made everybody blind. Everyone that's usually there, whether it's the tanks, it's the snipers, it's the uh, censoring machines, it's the commanders, it's the soldiers, it's the police force, it's, it's the civilians. Everybody got blinded. Some people are saying it's an inside job. Some people are saying it's a clever job. Some people are saying a lot of things. What I'm telling you is this is Akadosh Baruch Hu's job. Akadosh Baruch Hu blinded us to make this thing happen. Why? To wake us up. To wake us up. And he let them break the fence, breach the fence, breach the fence in a way that never happened in history. Never happened in history. Literally, people that publicly, you know, stated they worked there. They were there they, for years. And even if a bug, a bug went on the fence, they knew about it. If somebody was within a uh, hundred meters of it, they knew about it. If birds flew next to it, they knew about it. Everything they knew. But on this day... For not only one, not only for for a minute, not for for a, an hour, for eight hours. Some say even fourteen hours. Fourteen hours of complete silence, complete blindness. Even the people that were there that were being fought against, nobody was able to call anybody. All of a sudden, all of the uh, phone lines are done. All of the text lines are done. Everything is done. No one can communicate. Literally, like darkness, like the plague of darkness hit this spot, and Akadosh Bahu. As David Melech here says, you breached, you let them breach the fence. Why? Why did you let them breach the fence so that everyone can pass and pluck its fruit? Who's the fruit? Everyone knows. In the world of Torah, we call our babies the fruit. Our babies, our children, that's our fruits. The fruit of the belly. Why? Why? Why did this happen? We know why. We know why. We're going to find out more why. But the reality is we see that David Melech is telling us HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to let the fence break. He's going to let this thing happen. Why? 
because we need to wake up spiritually and realize the only thing we can rely on is Avinu Shebashamayim is our Father in Heaven, nobody else. We can't rely on police. We can't rely on soldiers. We can't rely on government. We can't rely on weapons. We can't rely on our own intellect. Who can we rely on? Avinu Shebashamayim, our Father in Heaven. That's it, nothing else. Why? Because... Everyone thought, oh, the army, the strongest army in the world, the strongest this, the strongest technology, the strongest missiles, the strongest this, the strongest that. <clears throat> Everything went to the garbage for a period of time that literally allowed these murderers, these vicious monsters to do what they've wanted to do, literally. As David Melech says in other places in the Tehilim, that if it wasn't for you, Kadosh Baruch Hu, the enemy would eat me. And literally, this is what these people do. This is what these people do. So when a person sees that David Melech already 3,000 years ago is crying out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he let defenses be broken, and he sees this is what's happened here, you realize this is no coincidence. Then we go to pick number four. Pick number four, David Melech gives us some more secrets. Why this happened? Psalm 108, verse 9. Psalm 108, verse 9, Rabbi Karim, will shock you no less. Will shock you no less. As, as David Amelech says, Ligil David Amelech says, Mine is Gilead, mine is Menashe, and Ephraim is the stronghold of my head. Yehuda is my lawgiver. Everyone knows that has learned Torah, has learned Tanakh, that there was an extraordinary machloket, a debate, a uh, animosity, a, uh, a difference of, uh, of, of strategy of what to do and how to do between the tribes in those days that caused a major, uh, major war between the tribes, between the Jewish tribes, where tens of thousands of people died because of this uh, machloket. And of course, anyone that is, uh, follows up or at least is up to date with what's happening in Israel knows that literally the, the day before this massacre, the day before this horror scene happened in real life, what was, uh, what was going on in the Jewish streets in Tel Aviv and in different places? The lefty liberals were attacking anyone that was trying to celebrate the holiday anyone that was expressing their religious beliefs. Literally, the animosity between the secular Zionists and the religious Jews, or even someone that was just trying to express some form of connection to his Judaism, there was fighting in the streets. There was uh, literally fist fighting. There was all types of hatred expressed on a day-to-day basis in the news of how much the left hates the right, how much the anti-Torah people, the people that hate Hashem and hate the Torah and are atheists and Zionists, how much they hate anyone that is religious and how they want to destroy them. You even have politicians, this Rasham Yerushanim Avigdo, who actually made statements no different than what the Nazis made right before they did what they did about his own fellow Jews, about his own fellow Jews. And when you tell one of these people, listen, we're all brothers, what do they respond to you? No, we're not brothers. We're not brothers. How many times do they say this publicly? The animosity between Jews was to an all-time high, to an all-time high, something unbelievable. And that machloket is what David Melech is talking about. That machloket is what David Melech is talking about, and he's reminding us, what is the solution? What is the solution to this machloket? Yehuda, Yehuda is my lawgiver. If you do tshuva and you realize that the uh, Yehuda, this is the Mashiach, is going to come and Mashiach is going to put order. There's not going to be two sides to the coin. There's only going to be one truth and nothing else.
and nothing else. You have to pick a side now, though. You have to pick a side now, though. You can't pick a side once the Mashiach comes. Why? Once Mashiach comes, it's just like the times of David and, uh, and, and his son Shlomo. We don't accept anybody new. We don't accept anybody new after that. No converts anymore. There's no more, no more tshuva after Mashiach already has taken over the world. Has taken over the world and is literally the world of Torah. That is the climatic point that we've been waiting for for the last several thousand years. So David Melech tells us already again, he's told us that, you know, at times, don't listen to them, they're the enemy. Furthermore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we know we need you. So protect us, preserve our life, preserve our life, even if we're not in the, uh, in the north or in the south or wherever there's war, even if we're not soldiers in the field, please protect us. Why? Because the enemy is everywhere. And certainly protect our soldiers. Protect our soldiers that are going there, that are trying to literally annihilate the enemy. Protect them also. Furthermore, we know that this is not something that just happened out of nowhere. This is not because of any uh, cleverness by the uh, by Ishmael. This is simply Akadosh Baruch Hu punishing us and waking us up and rebuking us and allowing the fences to be broken in order to show us that we cannot rely on our own intellect or weapons or army. We can only rely on him because he could literally take all of what we thought we had, all the power that we had from the technology and the weapons and the money and all the other things and show us it's all worthless. And literally, when you see how the uh, uh, the Jewish people are alive right now, in comparison, if you look at the actual map, there's a map that was recently, uh, 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 we recently put in a clip that somebody made. You see how many Arab countries surround Israel Literally, you're looking at dozens of countries, huge amount of land, huge amount of weapons and everything else, and this tiny little speck of land called Israel inside between. It's literally a miracle that we survive. A miracle. Every single day, it's a miracle. Literally, some of the sages said the biggest miracle in the world is the fact that Jews still exist. That's the biggest miracle. And that, Rabotai, is what David Melch is trying to tell us here. We cannot afford to have a machloket. We cannot have a. Uh, we cannot afford to have a fight between us. There's the truth, and there's nothing else. If you want to go against the Torah, you have to realize that you are putting yourself in the same caliber as the physical enemies. You're just a spiritual enemy. Now, if you don't want to be religious, you don't want to follow. But at the same time, you at least have respect and 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 and. Uh, uh, of the people that are following, listen, that's your choice. But when you're fighting against people that have, have been Jewish their whole life, that have, uh, have been sacrificing their life for the last several thousand years just to remain Jewish, and you're simply trying to stop them from doing that, you are no different than these uh, Hamas terrorists. We cannot afford such things. We cannot have, afford such things. So David Melech in the fourth item tells us that we have to get rid of this machloket, we have to know that there's a single truth, whether you follow it or you don't follow it, that's your personal preference. But don't stop somebody else from doing what they want to do, how they want to serve a Kadosh Baruch Hu. You don't want to serve it, that's your problem. You're going to have to pay the price. But at the very least, don't get in the way of me trying to serve my God, of me trying to, uh, to, to honor Him, me trying to do everything possible to show Him gratitude. You want to be ungrateful, you're going to have to pay the price. But at the very least, leave me alone. And this Rabotai is something that unfortunately... It's not happening right now. It's not happening right now. Right now, in the last week, all of a sudden, there's some people that are, uh, you know, are, are starting to realize they made a mistake, especially since many of these lefty liberals 
including in those places, including in those places where they had the massacre, many of them actually supported the uh, the, uh, the 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 Ishmaelim. They supported the terrorists. They supported all of these people, uh, and uh, even the people that attended the party, many of them were uh, attending a party for the sake of uh, you know freedom and peace and so on. In essence, supporting this whole uh, supporting the enemy in so many words. So many of them are realizing that they uh, you know their support was wrong, but. Needless to say, not enough. Point number five. The clue that uh, David Melech left us to let us know what God thinks. What God thinks here. Psalm 111, verse number eight. Their steadfast forever for eternity accomplished this truth and fairness. If somebody wants to know what is a Kadosh Bahu asking of us, what is a Kadosh Buhu asking of us to do at this point? What, how do we get out of this nightmare situation? Surely there's a uh, going to be an ongoing debate of uh, of how of how uh, uh, to fight this war, whether to completely annihilate them, to go partial. What do we do? Obviously, the Torah perspective we already told you. There's uh, literally no mercy is permissible according to the Torah, but. There's going to be all types of uh, consequences, all types of uh, other issues that come out of it, and there's going to be a lot of debate over this. The point is, is that anyone that thinks that this war is the beginning and the end is mistaken. Is mistaken. Why? Because the Kadosh Baruch did not allow the slaughtering of thousands of his children just for the sake of uh, you know uh, Israel uh, taking over some more land and turning it into. Uh, into uh, soccer fields or, or, uh, or farmland. No. There's a lot more that's required. If you want to know what's required, that's what the Vida Melech is saying. The Torah, the Holy Torah that's been forever, for eternity, the truth, the fairness, that's what we need. We all need to do tshuva. All of Am Yisrael needs to do tshuva if they want a Kadosh Bechut to help them, if they want a Kadosh Bechut to save them from all of the enemies that surround them, the ones that are here, literally among us, uh, or, and the ones that are threatening to come here. All of these, you want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help you, the only way that you can assure yourself that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you is if you get on the right path. What's the right path? The same path that the Jewish people have had since day one, which is the Holy Torah that's, always, that's been forever, for eternity. The one that is true, the one that is fair. The one that's fair doesn't mean that it lets everybody walk all over us and do whatever they want. Fair means in accordance to the laws of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know it's just. You know that it's just. Now the, uh, the Ibn Ezra comments on this particular verse and he says that with this verse, a person that really takes this verse to, the heart, to his heart and really applies it to their heart is saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that the Torah is forever and we accept its, its judgment even if that means death. Baruch Dayana Emet, blessed is the righteous judge. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed the slaughtering of his own children over the last week and there's a war going on, and as unfortunately some of them, uh, some more have been killed in, in the last few days, soldiers that are trying to fight uh, for the sake of our existence, as far as the physical existence here. The David uh, Melech is telling us, says the Ibn Ezra, that we accept this judgment. Why? Because we know that HaKadosh Baruch everything that he does is always the best possible option out of all the options that are available to us. Certainly, if the option of complete peace and, uh, and, and sanctity and Gan Eden was available to us, that's what Hashem would give it to us. 
but it's not available to us. Why? Because of our many sins, we don't deserve the Mashiach yet. We don't deserve to have complete peace. We don't deserve to, uh, to have the uh, Gan Eden yet. What we deserve is what we have right now. If we want more, if we want better, then we have to go to the path, to the path that actually put us in the, in the position that we're in, which is a, uh, being the chosen people. And that's the path of the Torah. Last but not least, the sixth, the sixth hint that, uh, in the, or footstep, I should even call it, that David Melech left us, that David Melech messed us, is clear instructions. You as an individual, not just as a nation, but you as an individual, what can you do about this whole situation? David Melech says the same exact thing. Chapter 119, verse number 9. Same exact numerical value as all the other verses that I just mentioned to you. That it matches. What is he saying? In this clear holy map that the Kadosh Baruch Hu is giving us. David Melech says, How can a youngster purify his path? By observing your word. If you had a doubt until now of who, what, when, and how, you should do what you should do, this, that, or the other thing. You want to be saved. You want a Kadosh Baruch to, prefer, to protect you. You have made many sins. You did all types of things that are against the Torah. No problem. You can start fresh right this second. Take on yourself to keep Shabbat. Take on yourself to be moral. Take on yourself to be to eat kosher. Take on yourself to, uh, if you're married, your, your wife to be uh, modest. And also to uh, have uh, family purity. Take on yourself to send your kids to yeshivot. Take on yourself the entire Torah. Take on yourself to learn Torah each day for at least an hour or two a day in the beginning and more over time. I used to say learn 15 minutes a day. Right now we're out of time. There's no more 15 minutes a day. You have to learn a lot more. You have to learn a lot more. Why? Because we're running out of time. And if you don't know how to be a Jew, how to live like a Jew, unfortunately it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. Whatever you're doing is not going to be enough. So... David Melech says, how can a youngster purify his path? You're 16, you're 18, you're 25, you're 35. You're trying to figure out, how do I figure out, how do I purify my path? Says David Melech, by observing your word. What's observing your word? Observing the Torah. You know that it's in the Torah, you do it. You don't know, go learn and do it. That's the key. Make sure that you keep learning and you keep learning how to be a righteous Jew, how to be a righteous Jewish woman, to be modest. If you're married, covering your hair, to always have modest clothes, to have modest uh, uh, speech. Why have modest speech? Why have modest clothes? It's not because of, uh, just because of other men are looking at you. It's for your own sake. It's for your own sake is to treat yourself like a bat melech, to treat yourself like the daughter of a king. The daughter of a king does not walk around with, a, with mini skirts and tank tops. The daughter of a king walks around like royalty. The daughter of the king of kings walks around like royalty. And needless to say, when you commit your life to your husband, that means that you are giving not just your time, not just your attention, not just your ability to cook or your ability to clean or your ability to make money. No, you're giving your beauty, your beauty to your husband. You're dedicating your, your beauty to your husband and your husband is dedicating his eyes to you, meaning that he's not going to look at any other woman. The more modest a woman is, the more a husband is going to be inclined to protect his eyes because he knows that he has something precious. But when a woman walks around like a, uh, like, uh, like a garbage pail that everyone can touch and everyone can look at, then needless to say, our husband is going to touch and look at anything and everything that he wants. And this is one of the things that women simply don't understand until after the fact because countless women Baruch Hashem have taken upon themselves to become more modest as a result of watching our lectures 
And each and every single one of them that has discussed this issue in depth with us has told us, I can't believe how much my modesty has affected my husband. She's modest, but he's affected. Why? He's more loyal. He's, uh, he's more kind. He thinks she's more beautiful. He respects her more. Literally, unbelievable. But sometimes you have fake modesty. What's fake modesty? It's a 50-50. She changes her clothes, but her attitude stays the same. She changes her clothes, she wears modest clothes, but she still you know, talks to guys, she still has male friends, she still goes to nightclubs, she still does all types of things. That's not modesty, that's fake. That's what the verse says in the, the prophet Isaiah. In their mouth, in their lips, they honor me, but their hearts were far away from me. That's the reality. A person needs to make sure that they're not trying to... Uh, Pretend to God that they're one thing, but in reality there's something else. Because the Kadosh Bahu knows what's in your heart. He certainly knows what's in your mouth and in your mind. And needless to say, even mankind knows what's coming out of your lips. So a woman has to be modest in every single aspect. Needless to say, so does the man. Man can't walk around a half naked just because he's a man. He can't talk to to women that are not his uh, not his wife. You have a uh, colleague at work that's a female. Limit the conversation. Text messaging, emails. If you have to talk face to face, talk strictly business. Know what you do this weekend, what you did this weekend. None of that stuff. Make sure that the modesty is pure. It's holy. Why? It's going to bring a lot of blessing. It's going to bring a lot of blessing. So a man that wants to purify himself, purify his path, he has to observe his word. Observe a whose word. What's his word? You have to learn it. We have thousands of lectures. Baruch Hashem, over the years that we've made about all types of uh, you know uh, issues that you can go over, all of the things that help you become a better human being, a decent human being, a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter. Thousands of lectures. And for those of you that speak different languages, we have our lectures in 14 different languages currently, and Bezat Hashem soon will have another language added to it as well, and Bezat Hashem even more. Our goal is to get to 70 languages. Bezat Hashem, just like Moshe Rabbeinu publicized the Torah in 70 languages, we're looking to have our teachings of Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah in 70 languages. But the point being is, is that anyone that wants to, uh, to, uh, to learn Torah has a very, very easy way to do it. You could just go to our YouTube pages, you go to our website, bezatashem.org or bhtorah.org, and you are literally have countless lectures, countless lectures for myself, Remember Frank Kachlon, who's a giant gadol and chacham and dayan. We, 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 it's literally one of the gdole adol is, is, is with us, learning with us, chavruta with us, teaching us every single day. Our own very dear uh, Rosh Kolel Rav uh, Sharvit, who's also a giant. I have no doubt in my mind he's at one point going to become the Rishon Lezion. Uh, it's a, uh, his, his genius is still uh, uh, undiscovered. I know it, but Hashem, I saw little parts of it over the years that I, I know him, uh, but I can tell you that this is a, a person that is a hidden treasure, Baruch Hashem, that we have within our organization. And you have all of our other Avrachim that we have that teach Torah. You have, of course, our own very dear Rav Lev Leib. He's teaching Torah. You have many, many different things in different languages that you can learn an enormous amount of Torah of how to become a decent human being, a, a happy Jew, a, a successful one in the things that matter in life and even in, in business. Even in business, because when you do business honestly, when you do business according to Torah, you're a short success. It's not a matter of today, tomorrow. It's a matter of knowing exactly where everything comes from. 
and I have Baruch Hashem many, many Talmidim that have uh, taken uh, advantage of the relationship that we have and have asked me aside from Torah questions, also their, uh, their business questions, uh, whether it's take on certain uh, customers or different things. And Baruch Hashem, through the advice of the Torah, they're, they're able to succeed and, 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 and do well. But the key is to understand is that everything is from the Torah. It's not from my mind. It's not from uh, anybody else. It's all, everything is from the Torah. If it's not from the Torah, you don't have to listen to it. You simply don't have to listen to it. But the key is to know that we have this whole event, this whole event that transpired, this massacre that happened to us, this, this, this horrific nightmare that happened and is continuing, continue to happen right now. We're still at war. We're still at war. We're still not going to war full force like we should. As I told you guys last week, really what should be done according to the Torah is they shouldn't send any soldiers. They should simply just turn the whole place into grass, into, into dirt, finish that, and then there's a few other locations that can do the same thing. Why? Because that's what our people need in order to survive the enemy that's among them. And for all of those that were living in denial, thinking, oh, it's no big deal, they're just a little group, they're just a little this, they, they, they're, you know, they, what can they possibly do more than they've done before, now everybody knows. Now everybody knows that the survival of the Jewish people cannot, cannot coexist with the survival of these terrorists. It cannot be. We cannot, we cannot coexist in peace. It's simply not possible. It's simply not possible. And in fact, even some uh, uh, Muslim sheikh uh, came out uh, uh, recently, and I put it on my TikTok channel and uh, some other places, that he himself, he's from Saudi Arabia, and uh, he's saying, listen, he's apparently he's a scholar, knows a few things, and uh, he says, listen, the uh, Palestinians, they don't want a country. They don't want a country. They don't want peace. They just want to annihilate. They want to murder. They're not, they don't have any uh, uh, real uh, history. They're from uh, all types of na uh, uh, nations, Mongolians, uh, uh, Romans, uh, uh, all types of other things that he mentioned, different nations, the, the mishmash of different nations. They don't really have a history. They don't really have any positive thing to add to the world. And he says they're cursed people. He wouldn't invite them into his own house, but he would definitely invite a Jew to his house. Uh, that's how much he hates them. And he says that uh, the uh, uh, Bibi Netanyahu is cursed for not annihilating him when he had the chance. Well, now we have a chance. We have a chance to do it because right now we're at war and there's no permission to have mercy at war according to our Holy Torah. Now that we've seen, we've seen what happens here, we have to see also that the code uh, of this uh, statement is not enough. We have to also see what else, what else, what else can we find? What else can we find? What else can we find that's literally inside our Holy Torah that's going to tell us about what happened? Tell us about what happened. Abutai Karim. For anyone that is a Torah observant and therefore follows the Jewish calendar, you know that we don't use the uh, Gregorian calendar that has the uh, different uh, uh, names of months that are based on idols, but rather... We have, the, uh, um, we have the Jewish calendar that has different names of months and different calendar. And in the Jewish calendar, the date of this massacre, of this Chavot Barzel, Miftah Chavot Barzel, was the 24th. Was the 24th of, a, uh, of, uh, of Tishrei. I'm sorry, the uh, 22nd, 22nd of Tishrei. 
22nd of Tishrei, Rabotai, it's literally unbelievable. You go to the 22nd Psalm, and just read the whole thing, and you literally see what transpired here. You literally see what transpired here. You go to Psalm number 22, and you see David Melech crying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Eli, Eli, lama azavtani? Rachok mishuati divre shagati. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why so far from saving me from the words of my roar? Oh my God, I call out by day, but you answer not, and by night, but there is no respite for me. You are the Holy One, enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out, and they were rescued. In you they trusted, and they were not shamed. But I am worm and not a man, scorn of humanity, despised of people. Here David Melech is crying out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please help me, why did this happen to me? I am nothing, I know that I'm nothing, but why did this happen to me? This is actually what Esther Amalka, Esther Amalka cried to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Eli, Eli, lama azavtani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When the decree of Haman Rasha who also tried to eliminate us, just like these Hamas terrorists, that's just like Daesh, ISIS. Hamas is Daesh. Hamas is ISIS. Make no mistake about it. It's the same people. It's the same killers, the same murderers. These are the people that want to annihilate us, just like Haman did. They don't want peace. They don't want land. They want to simply kill every Jew. That's what there was literally confirmed in the last week. Not that we needed confirmation, but that's what the world knows at this point. But yet they still have endless amount of support. And it's important for a person to know that David Melech says, everything that happened on the 22nd of Tishrei, in this Tehilim, in this Tehilim, all of who see me deride me. They open wide with their lip. They wag their head. If one commits himself to Hashem, he will deliver him. He will rescue him, for he desires him. He says, look how much they're making fun of us. They took their hostages. They took our hostages, took our babies. They took our sisters. They took our brothers. They took our grandmothers. And what do they do? They make fun of us. They make fun of us in the streets. And anytime we try to say anything about it, what do they say? Like these, these terrorists are saying on the live right now, oh, report him, report him, censor him, so he doesn't let the truth out, so people don't know. So people don't know the truth of how much they're literally a nation of animals. Animals, not even animals that we've seen. Literally, the pere adam. And this Rabotai is what the Vida Melech say, look how much they're making fun of me. Look how much they laugh at me. They laugh at how they did all this to me. Who does this? What other nation in the history made all types of videos off of the horrible things they did? Who, who does such a thing? Who does such a thing? This is what they're. This is what they celebrate. They raise little kids, and you see videos. See little terrorist kids, five, six, seven years old, are being interviewed by their own people. What do you want to do when you grow up? I say I want to be a terrorist. I want to kill Jews. I want to do this. I want to kill like the kids five years old. What does he even know about Jews? He already wants to kill them. Why? That's how they train them. 
By the way, I even have a person, very, very close person, that used to, you grew up like this, grew up like this, with this brainwashing, brainwashed in a million different ways. And they already told me that as little children, they were showing them vicious videos of these people massacring other people and torturing them. As little kids, four, five, six-year-old kids, that's how they grew up. On one end, they say, no, we're modest, we're righteous, we're this, but in reality, in the homes, there's, there's abuse, there's rape, there's, there's uh, abuse of the kids, abuse of the wife, abuse of everybody, to, mentally abusing everybody. That's how they grew up, poor kids. But Hashem, they're grown now, and uh, they're out of this thing, and they're saved. Uh, they're, they're out of this garbage, this filth, but they literally, they told me. They told me exactly how they, they raised them, brainwashing them to be terrorists. They brainwashed them to be terrorists. And it's unbelievable that a Kadosh Baruch Hu has mercy on some of these people that really don't want to do this and, and they, he allows them to get out. Just like the Gemara says, someone that wants to become purified, Hashem helps him. The question is, who, who wants to get purified? Who wants to be true? Who wants to live the, the, world, of, the world of Torah, the world of, of truth? David HaMelech says, those that follow Hashem, Hashem helps them. Hashem helps them. And this whole Tehillim number 22, literally, if you go into it and you analyze it, you look at the commentaries in there, the Ibn Ezra, the Ramban, the, the, the Rashi, literally you're going to be enamored. It's like literally seeing everything that happened inside the Torah, even, even just like these verses and even more so. Not just one, two verses. You're seeing literally the whole thing. Hashem, why have you forsaken me? What happened here? And we see it's in there. We see everything is in the Torah. We see everything is in the Torah, Rabotai Yekarim. Now, we're going to go back to our bigger question. Our bigger question when we mentioned last week that our Holy Torah <clears throat> in multiple places says to us, commands us that we are not allowed to have soldiers that are weak, soldiers that are a... Uh, um, going to have mercy on the enemy because if they have mercy or they're afraid, they can cause the death of others. Now, when people think, oh, mercy, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe you should have mercy on other soldiers, but of course, on, on women, children, no, no, no. We're talking about everybody. Anyone that's an enemy is an enemy. And that's one of the things that the Torah does where it removes any political correctness any deformed mentality that, that people try to add to the biblical law is removed and it's clarified. And the Rambam, over 800 years ago, paskins la'alacha, something that every single Jew must know, something that every soldier of the Jewish people must know, and in fact, let the enemy know this is what's coming to you, says the Rambam, in Ilchot Melachim Umilchamot, the laws of kings and wars, chapter 7, Alacha 15. He says in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20, verse 8, it says, Mi ha'ish is there a man who is afraid and faint-hearted? This is talking about soldiers. Who's not allowed to go to war? Says the Rambam. 
The phrase should be interpreted simply as applying to a person whose heart is not brave enough to stand in the throes of battle. Once a soldier enters the throes of battle, he should rely on the hope of Israel and their Savior in times of need. He should realize that he is fighting for the sake of the oneness of God's name. Not for Zionism, not for the state of Israel, not for anything else. You're fighting for the sake of God's one name, his oneness. That's what you're fighting for. You're fighting for the sake of God. If you think if you're fighting for something else, you're fighting for glory, you're fighting for land, it's a mistake. You're not going to have the rest of the, the, the protection you are assured here. So remember, you go into battle, you're fighting for the sake of God's name. Therefore, he should place his soul in his hand and not show fright or fear. Why should you not be afraid of these monsters? Because God's with you. You're fighting for the sake of his name? No one can touch you. No one can touch you. Why? You have a Kadosh Baruch Hu with you. If a Kadosh Baruch Hu is with you, who can be against you? Says the Rambam. He should not worry about his wife or children. On the contrary, he should wipe their memory from his heart, removing all thoughts from his mind except for the war. Why? There's a time of war. There's no time for you to think about your wife, your kids, your future, your this, your that, nothing. Right now you're at war. There is no time for anything. There's no time for baby pictures. There's no time for baby videos. There's no time for planning a vacation. Right now is a time for war, but it's not just a simple war. You're fighting for the honor of God. This is something that a person must know. Furthermore, says the Rambam, anyone who begins to feel anxious and worry in the midst of battle to the point where he frightens himself, violates the Torah, a negative commandment of the Torah as it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3, do not be faint-hearted, do not be afraid, do not panic and do not break ranks before them. Furthermore, he is responsible for the blood of the entire Jewish nation. Meaning that if you're afraid of this enemy and you don't get control of yourself, other people are going to die because of you. There's no, there's no permission to be afraid. Why? There's no reason to. You're fighting for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch whose name is honor. What are you afraid of? If you're fighting for the land, if you're fighting for glory, if you're fighting to be somebody in then of course you're going to be afraid. These are monsters. You're fighting uh, Godzilla. You're fighting. You're fighting. Fighting uh, King Kong. You're fighting people that are monsters. People that literally walk, breathe, and eat war. All they want is war. All they want is death. All they want is horrible things. So if you're if you're looking at that, then of course you're going to be afraid. But if you're fighting for the sake of Kadosh Baruch what are you afraid of? Kadosh Baruch is with you. Just look at the Maccabees. The Maccabees, many people, you know, when they draw them, when they think about them, they think, oh, they're warriors, they beat the Greek army. What you don't realize, the Maccabees were all Torah scholars. They never picked up a sword. They barely picked up a knife to eat food because they're too busy learning Torah. So how do they win such a big war against the biggest army in the world? Simple. They followed the Torah. They followed everything they knew. Listen, Kadosh Baruch is really fighting this war. All I'm going to do is my Ishtadlut. What's my loot? What's my effort? I'm going to pick up the sword in the hand. That's it. Some of them were even having a hard time picking up the sword. It goes so heavy. So heavy. Once they pick up the sword, Akadosh Baruch miraculously moved the sword wherever he wanted to move to literally wipe out tens of thousands of Greeks. What? Hashem yilachem lachem latem techanashun. 
As Moshe Rabbeinu tells Am Yisrael in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 14, HaKadosh Baruch will fight your wars and you shall remain silent. When you're fighting for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch name, no one can defeat you. When you're fighting for your honor, when you're fighting for, 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 for specific uh, glory or anything like that, you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. So therefore, says it to why you have no permission to be afraid. And if you are afraid, the blood of the entire Jewish nation is on your hands. If he is not valiant, if he does not wage war with all of his heart and soul, says the Rambam, it is considered as if he shed the blood of the entire people. As the Torah says in chapter 20, verse 8 in the book of Deuteronomy, let him go home, lest he demoralize the hearts of his brethren like his own. Similarly, the prophetic tradition explicitly states in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 48, verse 10, Cursed be he who does God's work deceitfully. Cursed be he who withholds his sword from blood. Here the prophet Jeremiah tells us, if you're fighting for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have nothing to be afraid. Do it right. But if you're doing it 50-50, sometimes you believe, sometimes you don't believe, sometimes you're afraid, sometimes you're afraid. It's like you're doing a, the, the service of God deceitfully. Deceitfully. And you literally get a curse instead of, instead, of being, instead of being saved and protected. And then the Rambam finalizes this, and literally this is the promise of all promises. For anyone that's fighting, for anyone that knows somebody that's fighting, for anyone that will be fighting, and for each and every single one, one of us Jews that knows that we are in a, literally, a fight of our lifetime. Whether you are a soldier at, in a Bet Midrash, or you're a soldier on the field, or you're a Jew just simply living in somewhere in the world. Right now there's a war. Right now there's a war that literally Ishmael is testing the waters to see if this is the time to try to go to a war of all wars. And the Torah says as follows. The Rambam writes, in contrast, anyone who fights with his heart, entire heart without fear with the intention of sanctifying HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name alone, can be assured that he will find no harm, nor will bad overtake him. He will be granted a proper family in Israel and gather merit for himself and his children forever. He will also merit an eternal life in Olam in the world to come. As the book of Samuel 1, chapter 25, verse 28 and 29 says, God will certainly make my Lord faith, a faithful house, for my Lord fights the wars of God, and evil will not be found with you, and my Lord's soul will be found in the bond of life with God. Here, the Rambam paskins, the halacha in this world, any Jew that fights for the sake of Honoring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. Sanctifying HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. Anyone that's fighting right now for the sake of Am Yisrael, even if you're not Jewish, also can benefit from this promise. Because he says anyone, this isn't just a Jew. Literally, if you're a non-Jew, you're fighting for the sake of honoring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name to protect the Jewish people, you can literally get yourself Olam as a result. Here the Rambam brings us verses from the Torah, promises from the Torah. That if you fight with your entire heart, without any fear, with an intention to sanctify Kadosh Baruch name alone, not to glorify yourself, not to benefit, no, no, simply to sanctify Hashem's name, nothing will happen to you.
as far as harm. No bad will overtake you. You'll actually even raise a family in Israel. You'll have a holy family. Who doesn't want a holy family? People literally spend their entire life getting money, getting this, getting a house, getting a car, get, just to have a family that uh, doesn't... Literally, this could literally give you the proper family in Israel and a merit to have children that are going to be good kids. And on top of all this, an eternal life in the world to come. An eternal life in the world to come, Rabbi For what? You fought for the sake of sanctifying Kadosh Baruch name. Not for the sake of Zionism, not for the sake of some uh, uh, other ideology. No, no. You fought for the sake of sanctifying Kadosh Baruch name. You want protection? That's what you do. That's what you do. And with that, you see that the Rambam is telling us there is no room. There is no room to consider, oh, should I, you know, maybe uh, give them a message, maybe warn them, maybe don't kill this one, maybe, no, no, no. There's no room for that stuff. Why? You're fighting for the sake of sanctifying Kadosh Baruch name against the enemy. These are not just your personal enemies. These are not just the enemies of our people and that, that, that killed people and, and, and took, no, no. These are enemies of God. These are the enemies of God. These are the people that are desecrating God's name by saying that they're the messengers of God. How could the messengers of God kill his people? When HaKadosh Baruch obviously loves his people and promised them that he will never abandon them. So that's why Rabbi Taya Karim, a person needs to know that there is no room for mercy. And for those of you that still have some doubts or perhaps simply needs a little more proof, you should know whether you are a religious Jew or a secular Jew, HaKadosh Baruch ensures that at times of war, the enemy will not look at you any different. He doesn't care whether you're a religious Jew or not religious Jew. The enemy simply wants to kill Jews. That's what the enemy does. And of course, we saw this in the Holocaust where the people, the Jewish people that married non-Jews ended up in concentration camps because their non-Jewish spouse went and told the Nazis on them. And there's countless stories just like that where all of a sudden, the wife that was not Jewish hated our husband because he was Jewish, even though they already had two, three, four kids together. All of a sudden, she hated him because he was Jewish. Or the, uh, Jewish, uh, uh, the non-Jewish husband hated the wife because of this. Literally, endless amount of stories like this. And history repeats itself. And this is exactly one of the things we have eyewitnesses reporting from that party at the Negev. One of the survivors, he has banded up all over the place where Baruch Hashem, he survived. He says, the party itself had security guards that were armed, and some of them were Arabs. And those Arab security guards, they also betrayed us. Meaning as soon as the other Ishmaelim came, 
these, uh, these security guards joined them. Instead of protecting the people, instead of helping the people, what do they do? Some of them, not all of them, because some of them were Jewish, but the Arab ones, he said, they started shooting at us. So we see here, Rabotai, as the Prophet says, Ahu, cursed is the person that relies on another person. Furthermore, the world is realizing, at least the world that wants to realize, that Hamas and ISIS are the same. But unfortunately, some people that claim to be Jewish and religious, call themselves the Neturi Karta, are, uh, are joining, uh, continuing to join the support of the Palestinians and the Arab people, and they're making more videos and protests now. And of course, the, uh, the, uh, the terrorists' media is uh, using this, and uh, they're uh, giving them a lot of air, a lot of time, where they're showing, look, there's religious Jews, or at least they look like they're religious Jews, with peyot, with a beard, with a hat, and there's a bunch of them over there, and they're saying that uh, they're happy about what happened in Israel. And they're supporters of, uh, of Hamas and the terrorists and so on. And people are asking me, how could this be? These are religious Jews. How could they be supporting the terrorists? How could they be supporting uh, the Hamas? So I can tell you this. These people are heretics. These people are evil. These people are what money can buy. That's what they are. Now, disagreeing with the politics uh, and the political stance of Israel as far as the whole Zionist state, that's a standard for any religious Jew. Obviously, Zionism is antithetical to Judaism. But to go from there to supporting the enemy, there's no, there's no, there's no such thing. The Torah never permits that. The Torah never permits that because that's a mitchaber leish mashchit. To go and join the enemy and join support of the enemy, especially at a time like this, where you're literally seeing horrific, horrific pictures and videos of what they did to our people, and some of them were religious, religious Jews, some of them were not religious, and the enemy didn't decipher, didn't care the difference. And you're celebrating that this happened? You're celebrating, you're supporting this? Obviously you're supporting terror, and you yourself are being a terrorist, no matter the fact of what your clothes look like. So when you see someone that looks like a religious Jew but yet is supporting the enemies of the Jews, just know that this is just a custom. All it is. They're desecrating God's name no less than, uh, or actually even more, than what the enemy is because more is expected of them. And they create a lot more confusion than the terrorists do because with the terrorists, you expect that. That's why the Torah says, Atzileni nam yad achim yad esav. Yaakov Avinu Christ, HaKadosh Baruch says, Save me from my brother, save me from esav. Why save me from my brother, save me from Esav? Esav is his brother. He says, because when he is Esav, I know he's Esav, he's trying to kill me. But it's more scared of when he pretends to be my brother. That's why it's mentioned for, first in the verse. Save me from my brother, save me from Esav. As if it's scarier when he's my brother. When he's pretending to be my brother, he's much, much more dangerous. He's much, much more dangerous. And this is one of the things that is causing some confusion for people, but you should know. 
Shlomo HaMelech tells us, and Rav Elchanan Vassaman wrote this in his Ikvita uh, de Meshicha, Ish Lefi Ma'alelo. A person is uh, um, valued based on who he praises. Based on who he praises. If you're praising the Hamas terrorism, you're praising the death of Jews, you're praising the animosity that, uh, that, that, they, that they literally uh, live by, uh, you are no different than them. And you'll be judged just like them. Now, as far as ideological beliefs and differences against Zionism and atheism and socialism and all that stuff, no problem, you're 100% right, and we've spoken about this extensively. But to go from there to publicly supporting the massacre of Jews at a time like this, there's no permission whatsoever in the Torah to do such a thing. No permission. And there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time and a place for everything. And this, Rabotai, is important for a person to know. Now, last but not least, you know, the, the point that we tried to make last week in regards to the um, Torah's perspective, the truth, about not allowing any mercy at a time of war, you have to understand it this way. The Torah says that limchotet Amalek, to completely annihilate Amalek. When it says completely annihilate Amalek, that means that there's no room for error here. Shaul HaMelech had some mercy and he didn't kill everyone. He left the king alive because the king, Agag, was like a scrawny little nothing. And when Shmuel the prophet saw that he made this mistake, that he didn't kill Agag, he rebuked him. He rebuked him and he told him that this is the reason why Hashem decided to, to uh, take away his kinghood. He lost his kinghood. Furthermore, the Torah says, what happened after that? Shmuel, the prophet, took sword and cut Agag to small little pieces. Literally cut him up to small pieces. And he made sure this is publicized everywhere. Why? Why did Shmuel the prophet do such a thing? Because Shmuel wanted to show not just the Jewish people, but also the enemy, that while you think that the holy people are, uh, you know, if, if you know, are, are, are merciful, are, are not going to be violent, no, no, you have to understand. There's a time and a place for everything. If you are the enemy of the Jewish people, you are the enemy of God, there's no mercy permissible. And that's why the one that they expected the most mercy from, the prophet Shmuel, showed the literally the most vicious killing of the enemy possible. And that was the mistake that Shaul made. Shaul was supposed to do it. Furthermore, I once asked a group of young people who were doing a lecture, and uh, I asked them, listen, the... If you knew, you know about Hitler. Everybody knows a little bit about Hitler, if not a lot. If you knew the story of Hitler, you'd be shocked. Why? Because Hitler, when he was a baby, he got very sick and he was saved by a Jewish doctor. A Jewish doctor. Now, this Hitler, if, let's say, for example, you were the doctor, and not only were you the doctor, you knew exactly 
what Hitler will do in the future. We will kill six million of your brothers and sisters. He will kill your family and even kill you. But you have him as a baby right now. He's a year old. Do you save his life or no? Or do you kill him? And to my surprise, some of these immature kids and adults answered, no, but it's a baby, it's a baby. I'm like, okay, you're, you're a murderer. You are thinking with your heart instead of with your brain. I'm telling you, this is Hitler. In the future, there's no doubt that he's going to do all these horrible things. And you're telling me just because he's small, you're not going to... You're a murderer. You have the blood of all those 6 million people is on your hands. And that's when people started thinking, wait, hold on a second, but why? He's going to kill me? He's going to this? And that's what you have to understand. The Torah is not telling us to go and do the same thing that these monsters did where they went and mutilated adults and children alike in and, and, and horrible, horrible ways. No, no. This is, not, this is not what the Torah is telling you. The Torah is telling you is that when you're in war, there's no consideration of who's in front of you, of whether this one's the enemy, he's holding a gun. That's what, you have to understand. That even that child that's there, that's part of that, that, even if he's not fighting you right this second, you can't consider his life more valuable than your fellow soldier, more valuable than yours, or, or any different than anybody else, simply put, because if you allow him to survive, you are assured that he will be the next Hitler if given the opportunity. Why? Because he automatically hates you because of what you're doing from his perspective. Number two, he's going to be taught the same ideology as the rest of these ISIS Daesh murderers. He's, he's going to be taught the same thing. So in so many words, you have a Hitler in front of you or a woman that's a Hitler or, 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 or anyone that's a They're all Hitler in the making. They're all ISIS in the making. And this is one of the things that I gave you guys an, as an example last week that there was a group of kids that several years ago was recorded on tape where a Jewish soldier did not, uh, did not kill them in, in, in a battle when he could have. And this was praised as humanitarian. And these people ended up becoming terrorists and killed Jewish people as a result. Literally, the Torah came to life. You literally saw what the Torah said was the risk come to life. And this is exactly what people are thinking about. Oh, yeah, but what about collateral damage? No, no, you're not understanding. This person, you may seem as a small person or a big person or so. We're not telling you to go do what these murderers did and mutilate bodies and look for small people or, or, or anything like that. No, no. What I'm telling you is when you're at war, you cannot consider any of this stuff. Because once you start thinking about small, big, with weapon, without weapon, is he, does he like me, does he not like me, maybe we can become, no, you can't consider any of that stuff. Why? Because all of that stuff, stuff will get into your mind, create all types of anxiety, create all types of, of fear, create type, all types of hesitation, and in a world of battle from the people that I've spoken to, that have been in real battles, whether it's my friends in the States or in Israel and other places, people that have actually been at real wars, listen, a one second, one second delay in making a decision is a difference between life and death of countless people, not just one person. You delay shooting the enemy one second, that's already more than enough time for your whole battalion to blow up. So that's why the Torah says when you're at war, 
There is no time for any type of fear, anxiety, thinking of even of your own family in the back. You can't think about any of that stuff. You have to think about, I'm here to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to sanctify His name, to fight the enemy of God. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows exactly who He's putting in front of me. If He's putting an adult, a child, a male, a female, whatever it is, that's who He's putting in front of me. I'm not asking for that. We're not psychopathic these people where they're literally looking for kids to go do all these horrible things that they did. No, no, no. What we're talking about is when you're at war, there is no time for consideration of who, what, when, and how is in these, like this, the stuff that the Israeli government does where they send these letters and they tell people, listen, leave because we're going to bomb this building. Like, that's stupid. It's literally stupid. Or like they're telling people, listen, all of these different places, you could uh, help and donate. Like they, they literally give the, 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 the enemy information that is putting Jewish lives at risk. It's anti-Torah and it's stupid and no one in the world does it. If we would simply follow the Torah, this war would have been over already. But because we're not following the Torah, not only is the war going to be much longer and Chashmash won't create more casualty, but it's literally the reason why we're in this war in the first place. If we would simply follow the Torah, this war would have never happened. And this is why, Rabbi Karim, you have to make sure that if you are a soldier, you have a person as a soldier, you share this information with them. You make them understand that you are not fighting for something small here. You're fighting for the sanctity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. You're fighting for the honor and the glory of Hashem. And when you're fighting for the honor and the glory of Hashem, no enemy in the world can stop you. No enemy in the world can cause you any harm whatsoever. And this Rabotai Karim is important even for the individuals that are not going to be fighting at war on, you know, in Hamas over there and all the terrorist land. But rather are in England, in America, in different parts of Israel, in a, uh, Australia, in Canada, because these terrorists are everywhere. They're like cockroaches. And they're going to try to intimidate and attack Jewish communities everywhere, anywhere, whenever they have an opportunity. If we run around scared, we're literally not only giving them a, uh, the motivation and the inspiration to keep going, but we're also desecrating God's name because we're showing God that we don't believe in Him. When we believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no reason for us to ever be scared. This is also the reason why people that ask me, about, oh, I'm here in Israel, should I go back to wherever they are? Should I go back to Australia, to America, to different places that they come from or they, or they uh, have houses in? I tell them, listen, there's, if you have belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no place in the world safer than Israel. There's no place in the world safer than Israel. You want to go back? Go back. But don't think for a second that just because you live in America, you're going to be safer. Or you live in Canada, you're going to be safer. Because a bu- every bullet has a name on it. Every bullet has a name on it. And if a Kadosh Baruch wants a person to die, they'll die no matter where they are. If a person, wants, if a person and it believes in a Kadosh Baruch a Kadosh Baruch will let that person live. No matter who wants to go against him. This, Rabotai, is the most critical lesson that a Jew must know. No one can hurt you or help you 
other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And everything that has happened and everything that will happen is already in the Torah. The question is, when are you going to finally apply this Torah to your life to really start seeing it in real time? Bezat Hashem, this too will give everyone the chizuk that is necessary to fight this war the right way, according to the Torah, without any fear, without any mercy on the enemy, to make sure that we sanctify Kadosh Baruch name and no enemy will ever think twice about even thinking to do the same thing to us. I'll take some questions that are relevant from anyone that's a non-terrorist. Okay, that's a good question. If I'm not able to fight, what is the best thing for me to do along with prayer? Very good. So, uh, this question is a uh, good because it's relevant to everybody, not just the person that actually asked it. Now, right now, there is a... Uh, obviously, this is the era of Mashiach. This is a time where uh, a lot of people are asking questions about the purpose of life, a lot of people are praying to God for the first time in their life. There's a, you know, a time of, a moment of truth. Sha'at Ratzon. It's, uh, it's really a time where a lot of people are waking up, taking upon themselves more mitzvot, more learning Torah, more, uh, uh, more seriousness in, uh, you know, when it comes to being a Jew. And uh, the key is to make sure that you share as much information as possible uh, with these people, with as many people as possible right now. Why? Because right now, eyes are opened. People are looking for answers, and they're not getting it from their secular life. They're not getting it from their idolatry. They're not getting it from anywhere else, aside from the Torah. And for the first time ever, in many people's lives, they're actually interested in what is the Torah perspective about this. What is the Torah perspective about this? So uh, each person has to use their talents, their abilities, 
to publicize as much Torah as possible. And if your talent is your speaker and you're also a scholar, you are Talmud Chacham, you've learned Torah for several years, you know what you're talking about, then you know, give lectures, get a group of people in your community and uh, start, uh, start giving lectures. Um, you know, if, a, uh, if you're a, uh, not a good speaker so much, but you are able to talk to maybe a few friends, by all means, you can do that also. A, uh, more than that, you want to get to as many people as possible, share, share these lectures, share them on your profiles, whether it's Facebook or it's TikTok or it's uh, whatever other social media that's out there with your emails, all your friends, all your colleagues, all the people that you know, don't think twice about it of who's interested and who's not. If you know that they're, they're alive and you know that they're Jewish, send them out these uh, lectures, send them out all the material you possibly can uh, on a regular basis, you know, once a week, twice a week, three times a week, but just, you know, build a list of people that you're doing outreach with, people you know and people you don't know, uh, to, to send them out these lectures to make sure that you're giving each and every single person that has his, his, his wake-up moment right now, at least you're giving him some valid, honest, you know, holy Torah available to him so he doesn't end up going to the wrong places where he ends up going to heretics or ends up going to a false religion or some other place. So be a vessel uh, for, for HaKadosh Baruch to bring the truth to the world. Give truth to Yaakov, to Am Yisrael. And at this time, you have to use all of the resources you possibly have and talents you possibly have to do as much kiruv, as much outreach as possible. So if you have a speaking ability and knowledge, use that. If you have a, uh, a large following on the internet, or even if a small following, you know, start developing it, send stuff out. Don't think twice, just you know, share the lectures, the ones that we're doing now, the ones we've done in the past, the series, uh, the, the movies, all the different things that we've done. Share them right now with anyone that you know, friends, family, colleagues, strangers, send it with everybody. You know, people overthink this stuff. Oh, should I send to this group? They don't really this and they don't really that. Don't think, just send. Just said, just be like a marketing firm, a small marketing firm, independent marketing firm. You know, build yourself a, uh, a, a, a certain type of routine each day where you're sharing certain amount of material each day for certain times. Uh, you also can go to our Kiruv store and get some hard copies of our uh, books and USBs for free. The USBs are English lectures, the, the books are in uh, Hebrew. Uh, but you can order some and uh, distribute in your community. If you have Hebrew speakers, you have English speakers, you could uh, distribute some of this stuff for free. It's obviously cost a lot of money for us, but we're distributing it for free to help you do outreach. Uh, the, uh, go to the kiruvstore.org, K-I-R-U-V-S-T-O-R-E.org, and you could order some of the stuff over there and uh, distribute it in your uh, community. That's another thing you can do. Uh, third thing is to make sure that you are very generous when it comes to supporting Kiruv. If you have the financial ability, you don't have to be a multimillionaire. But certainly, do the best you can. Give 10, 20% of your income, whatever it is, your big savings account. This is the time to use it because all the money in the world is not going to help you after Mashiach comes. Uh, you know, a person that is uh, going to use the money that they have to do outreach at times like this, a Kadosh Baruch Hu will bless them both in this world and the next. Uh, so you could donate on, uh, on our website or the campaign that I just mentioned to you on the Cube store. Uh, support that store, support the different campaigns that we have. Uh, do as much outreach as you possibly can uh, and push yourself. Push yourself to do as much of it as possible because this is the time. This is the time that uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving each and every single one of us an equal chance 
to earn the biggest merits in the world while at the same time erasing all the bad that we've ever done. Because when you're doing Kiruv, that's expressing love of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, which turns sins into mitzvot. So the more outreach you do at this time, the more you'll be successful in this world and the next. But this is something that you can't just do once or twice, once, you know, or once in a blue moon. You have to literally make it a part of your life. So you, every time you get a check, you send money. Every time you have time uh, on the internet, you share lectures. Every time uh, you uh, um, have an opportunity, you arrange a lecture for people to come and uh, uh, you invite them or you set up something. Point is, do as much as you possibly can to give out the material to help as many people as possible discover the truth about Hashem. And don't just work on secular people or just people that you know. Work on any Jew that you know, any Jew that you don't know, any Jew that exists pretty much. Online, in person, secular, religious, everybody needs chizuk. Everybody needs chizuk and you have to use all of your talents in order to get the true blessing. Because one of the things we saw from the Torah is there was a person named Navot. Navot uh, was a, uh, had a, uh, a piece of land where uh, Achav wanted that piece of land. He wanted the piece of land, and Navot didn't, uh, didn't want to give it to him. And uh, it ended up that uh, Achav went home, and his uh, evil wife, Izevil, uh, 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 in English, Izabella, uh, she ended up uh, murdering uh, Navot, uh, but with a, you know, with a uh, excuse. Well, she said that he committed treason against the king. Now the Chachamim in the, uh, ask, why, did, why was this allowed? You know, because Navot was a righteous person. Why was it allowed for, uh, for a wicked person like Achav and his wife Isabella to, uh, to murder a righteous person? And the answer is something shocking. Something shocking. Navot was a uh, very good uh, chazan, very good Baal Kohen. He had a beautiful voice, and he was a righteous person. And uh, each year he would go to the Bet Mikdash during the three regalim, three times. And uh, many, many people would follow him to listen to him pray and uh, praise Hashem. And it would really uh, uplift people. But after Achav came to, uh, uh, to ask him for his land, and he said no, and he saw that Achav was very upset, Navot became scared that if he leaves and goes to the Bet HaMikdash to praise Hashem, to, to pray where everybody's going to follow him and so on, that Achav is somehow going to conspire to uh, steal his land. So he ended up not going to the Bet HaMikdash. And Chachamim say because he did not use his talent to go and do Kiruv, to go and do Zikuya Rabim, the talent that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him, his voice, caused other people to pray better, caused other people to go to the Bet HaMikdash. And instead of using that talent to do more zikuya rabim, to do more kiruv, he uh, used his time to go protect his land. He lost his right to exist, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu allowed the laws of nature to work, and Achav ended up murdering him. So here we see Rabotai, not only the uh, the value of of kiruv, of outreach in the eyes of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but also we see the uh, the importance of using whatever talent you have. You can't just say, listen, uh, you know, I could uh, donate a lot of money, I have some extra money, but instead I'm just going to share stuff on the internet because that's free. No, no, no. Who wants you to use all the gifts that he gives you. 
that you have to use your best talent, whatever is your best ability, your best gift that Hashem gave you, that's what you have to use. Don't be like Cain that uh, gave Hashem garbage as a sacrifice. Give him your best. If you have money, that's what you have to use. Don't start becoming a speaker now because you don't want to spend money. Like one time there was a guy, came to Rabbi Ephraim, he said, listen, I know about the tikkunim, uh, but uh, uh, you said that it costs money, but uh, you know, what can I do? How many fasts do I have to do instead? Rabbi Ephraim says to him, yeah, but Baruch Hashem, you, you have money. The guy had like several houses, he had money. So why? He goes, no, 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 just, just how many fasts? He goes, fast for that thing, 84 times. The guy rather fast 84 times than spend 400 bucks. Even though he has probably millions. Some people are very, very sick. There's spiritually, spiritual sickness of stinginess. And instead of using the gift that Hashem gave them, they want to use other things. No, no, listen, instead of use money, I'll, I'll share for free. I'll, I'll order the books for free and I'll give them out for free. Yeah, but you also have money. Use the money. If you don't have any money, then use the other talents that you have. But that's the thing. Many times people, they, uh, they try to play games with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that was the mistake that Navot made. Navod made a mistake that he figured, listen, if I stay here, I'll pray here, I'll get the community here to come pray with me. And that's good too. But I also won't lose the land. He doesn't realize, Torah promised, anyone that goes up to the Bet Mikdash will not lose their land. No one will covet their land. No, Hashem is not going to allow you to lose as a result of doing a mitzvah. And that's a mistake that people make where they have more faith in their own abilities than in Hashem. So anyone that wants to win this fight against the evil enemies of Hashem, do more kiv, do more outreach to Jewish people and make sure that you use whatever gifts Hashem gave you to the maximum ability that you have to make sure that you show Hashem, I, I want to win this war. I want to I be part of the winning team. I want to sanctify your name. And whether I'm a soldier in the fields, or I'm a soldier on a keyboard, or a soldier in an office, or a soldier in a community, or a soldier in a synagogue, wherever I am, I'm your soldier, Hashem. I'm with you. And that's Rabotai, the, uh, the greatest thing that a person can do, male or female, all of the stuff that I'm saying, can be done by everybody. A woman uh, can do kiru by sharing stuff on the internet. She doesn't have to uh, tell people she's a female. Needless to say, she doesn't have to communicate with people. She just needs to share. She could certainly... Uh, instead of buying another dress or more shoes or uh, or uh, another uh, coffee outing with our friends, she can use those few hundred dollars and support more Kiruv. The point is, is there's a lot of things that a person can do in order to uh, be part of winning this war. Last but not least, what a person can do is take more upon themselves. Whatever you're doing, do more. Meaning, if you're learning already an hour a day, push yourself to two hours. If you're learning uh, a daf of gemarat right now, push yourself to do the pin per day. If you're, uh, you know, you're going to, uh, um, you're giving, let's say, I don't know, uh, your, yourself a certain amount of time to uh, finish a certain book, try to cut that time short and try to push yourself even extra. If you're not keeping something, keep it. You know, push yourself spiritually. You know, make your Shabbat holier, make your Shlombait better, make your chinuch with your kids better, Make, just push yourself more, more and more towards the direction of where Hashem wants you to be. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time to do it.
Uh, what can Gentiles do to please God? Everything that I mentioned, just from the non-Jewish perspective, meaning instead of keeping the Jewish laws of uh, Shabbat and kosher and so on, they have to keep the Noahide laws, which is also part of the Torah. Uh, so they uh, also means that they have to support Jewish outreach and they, they have to uh, help their fellow non-Jews as well, uh, if they can, to discover the truth and abandon idolatry and heresy. Uh, in essence, the same exact thing, just from the non-Jewish perspective. I have... So I have a whole playlist on my uh, YouTube page for uh, Noahides. And uh, that's uh, something that uh, everybody can watch and uh, see uh, the answer to this question, more more elaborate version of it. Real Torah Jews are never violent. Uh, well, I guess you never really met uh, Torah Jews because uh, there's a time and a place that violence is necessary. Like I just mentioned, Shmuel Navi. The says that he was equivalent to Moshe and Aaron together in his generation. He's the one that uh, cut Hagag to pieces. King David went to countless wars. Each arrow would kill 900, killed 900 people at a time. Uh, the uh, 12 tribes, if you look at the Midrash, in Amloez and many other places, the 12 tribes, the sons of Yaakov, they had wars, the wars of the uh, 12 tribes. And you can see how uh, great these warriors were. So there's a time and a place for everything. Moshe Rabbeinu went to fight also. He fought against Og, Melech HaBashan. He, uh, so to say that uh, violence is uh, not allowed in Judaism means you don't really know anything about Judaism. Uh, or the definition of violence. Uh, conflict is sad. The Palestinians and Israelis have so much in common. Uh, no, we don't have much in common. We're enemies, and uh, that's what they want us to be. If you mean we we like similar foods, um, that doesn't necessarily mean we have something in common. Many uh, people that don't live here, uh, you know, that like similar foods, doesn't mean that uh, we're the same as them. How do I learn more about Judaism? You can go to my channel, uh, go to my website, bezatashem.org, B E E Z R A T H A S H E M.org or bhtorah, b-h-t-o-r-a-h, dot org. And you can watch as many videos as possible, and you'll learn a lot, learn a lot about, not just about Judaism, but you'll learn a lot about life and uh, how to be a decent human being, whether you're a Jew or not. But there's also a section on the website about conversion, for people that are interested in conversion, what to read. This is usually something that people delve into, uh, sometimes even before they actually decide whether they want to convert or not. So they learn about Judaism. So there's some... Uh, syllabus there on the website that uh, will tell you uh, uh, required reading and things that they will actually teach you about uh, uh, about um, Judaism, what it is.
if you guys could see these comments, literally every other comment is one of these terrorists saying to report this live to uh, the social media police to, uh, so it gets down. But Baruch Hashem HaKadosh Baruch protected us. We've had many lectures in the past where uh, they were shut down, but apparently HaKadosh Baruch wanted this live to be complete without uh, any, any, uh, any shutdown, any distractions. So this is Baruch Hashem, clear sign from HaKadosh Baruch that this is necessary for everyone to see in live, not just even, not even wait for tomorrow. And Bezat Hashem HaKadosh Baruch will bless each and every single person that takes these words to heart and does complete tshuva and does the uh, outreach that is necessary to sanctify Kadosh Bahu's name and also fights this war without any fear, without any confusion, and most importantly, for the right reason, which is to sanctify Kadosh Bahu's name because the enemies of our people are also the enemies of God. And enemies of God certainly have no right to exist. And Bezot Hashem, we will win. Call to Bechabat Lachab.